Lecture topic: Developing the zeal for the Akira. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi ladin astafa. Amma baadu faaud billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. وقلن عبادي يقول التي هي أحسن صدق الله العظيم. Most respected students of Deen, mothers and sisters. On one occasion, one Sahabi came to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he asked for some advice but at the same time he even said that keep it very short uh, if somebody has to ask some very senior personality very great alim scholar come to him and that too in the midst of others and say to him that give me some advice but please keep it short we may perhaps think that this is something disrespectful but this is a sahabi of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he is asking for advice but he is also saying that keep it short so what was the reason for having said this was he not very interested perhaps nauzubillah that was something that never existed in the sahaba ikram that they could have ever we can ever imagine them having a lack of interest in the advice of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam their lives were ready to be presented for whatever sacrifice was required and they intensely loved nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam and loved to be hearing his advice despite all this the sahabi is saying give me some advice but keep it short the reason for this was that as much as they loved the advice they were extremely interested in the advice they were very eager for it at the same time they were very very conscious that the advice was for the purpose of amal some advice is the amal is that it must inspire a person to get onto amal so now for example the advice regarding aspects of akhirat what allah taala has in store for those who will be pious who will be righteous who will refrain from the disobedience of allah taala so allah taala has jannat in store for them as mentioned in the hadith sharif the hadith qudsi which we have discussed many times and allah taala mentions the aspects of jannat jahannam in the quran sharif repeatedly in the ahadith many many ahadith are filled with the discussion of jannat jahannam what we understand from this is we are to be repeating this as well allah taala mentioned it so many times in the ahadith it's so often mentioned so what is the lesson to learn from this that we need this we need to be speaking about it listening to it discussing it repeatedly so one is this 
kind of advice which is pertaining to the aspects of Akhirat. So what is the purpose of this advice? Just to hear something, just to learn some facts, just to have some knowledge for the sake of being able to say it somewhere. No, the purpose of that is that when we hear about Jannat, that it must create the zeal to acquire Jannat. It must bring around into our hearts that love for Jannat. And when that truly comes in the heart and that zeal comes in the heart to acquire Jannat, so now what is the procedure? What is going to become the means to that? So the means to that is the righteous deeds, staying away from sin. So now this must motivate a person that now he wants a higher rank in Jannat, he must do more amal. He must do more of that which Allah Ta'ala loves. So that is the, what is the intended purpose of that kind of advice. So when we read about something, we listen to some aspect about Jannat, it's meant to bring the zeal in us, like that hadith that we were referring to, Allah Ta'ala says, I have prepared for my righteous servants, for my pious servants. What Allah Ta'ala is saying, I have prepared, I have prepared what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard of, and what no heart can even imagine. But for who is this prepared? For the righteous servants, the ibadiyah salihin. Now what is the purpose of this advice? That subhanallah, a person hears this, what no eye has ever seen. Now people have seen what not. If we haven't seen it first hand, we've seen some scenery, pictures of some scenery. We've seen what kind of gardens and things that now. And then we've heard about it. If you haven't seen some things, we've heard about it. People have gone to some places and here and there. And if not, sometimes people's hearts run, the imagination runs. They're thinking, they're just running their minds, thinking about this, that and the other. But Jannat is beyond all this. Now that zeal will come because we have our hearts attached to this kind of thing. But Allah Ta'ala is saying, the ibadiyya salihin. So now this must bring us to now start wanting to become pious, wanting to become righteous, so that we gain the Jannat of Allah Ta'ala. Then as a person progresses in this matter, then he hears about it, that in Jannat a person will be blessed to see Allah Ta'ala, which we can't imagine now in dunya. How that will happen, what will be the way it will happen, what will, is beyond our imagination. But on the day of Qiyamah we will see it. So now, when this is the case, we'll, we'll get the opportunity, inshallah, of seeing our Rabb. When a person hears this, then this now spurs him that I need to do everything possible. Within my capacity, I need to do everything to try and get to Jannat and be blessed with this greatest of the greatest bounties. Now all this advice is meant to spur us in that direction. We likewise hear about Jahannam, it's meant to create fear in our hearts. I can never afford to get anywhere close to this. And how am I going to save myself? I need to become obedient to Allah Ta'ala. Save myself from all the haram, from the evils, from the vices, from the sins, from the sins of the eyes, the sins of the ears, sins of the tongue, from the ghibat, from the lying, from mocking people and causing offense and hurt, and all these sins and vices. 
So one is that category of advice. Then there are advice, there's advice about things which are of a practical nature. So now those are things that we need to start bringing into our lives. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala we have heard about this, the detail about tasbih Fatimi. And we have heard the incident many times. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala sent Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala to come and ask Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa to give him, give her somebody to help, some slave woman to help with the household chores because of the difficult tasks that she had to do herself and not the kind of task that we understand nowadays very much different, very much more strenuous and difficult. So in any case, she came but Nabi Sallallahu was busy at the time with some people. Her haya and modesty did not allow her to come in the presence of others and come and ask something. So she went away. Now these are all natural things in a woman. That haya, to know when to speak and when not to speak. It's not that, well, I say what I want, where I want, who is there and who is not there, what I do. Why should I bother about it? I am I'm supposed to say what I want and how I want it. When there's haya, then a person will think very differently. That No, this is not the place for me to say anything. Now there's men in this place, I will say nothing. And because there's non-Maharam people around, out of necessity something has to be said to a non-Maharam. Then I will say it in a way that doesn't compromise the haya in any way. If there's a need to explain something, for example, whatever the need might be to a doctor for that matter, but the haya will not be compromised. There will never be any eye contact. Now, out of sheer necessity, a male doctor had to be consulted. So Sharia has given permission within certain very clear frameworks and limitations. But now out of necessity, something has to be expressed and explained. So it will be done because that's now a necessity that Sharia has recognized and allowed. But that is also within certain limits. So now it doesn't mean that now because this is a necessity then there's no limit to it, there's no uh, rules regarding it. So now when there's genuine haya, all this will come naturally. How I need to speak, how much to say, what not to say. There's no need to say anything that's unnecessary. There's no need to get into any kind of chit-chat as they call it. Plus whatever was absolutely necessary to say that will be said in a very matter-of-fact way and not in a sweet tone and that is it so now all this will come naturally when that level of haya is there so in any case we were talking about this incident of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala so Fatima radiallahu noticed this situation her haya dictated that this is not the time to say anything and she went away Nabi Islam came back that night came to their home that night and just to get to the main point he eventually taught them tasbih fatimi 33 times subhanallah, 33 times alhamdulillah, 34 times Allahu Akbar to be recited before going to bed. And he said to them, this is better for you than even a servant. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala many many years later, now he's talking about this in the time of his khilafah. So after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Hazrat Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, the khalifa for two years, then Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu for 10 years, then Hazrat Usman radiallahu anhu for 12 years, 
Then Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, and Allah knows best which part of his Khilafat, uh, he's talking about it after the battle of Sifin. So now this is a long time in between. Almost maybe more than 30 years have passed. 30 years have passed, and now he's discussing this, and he's saying to his student, that from the time I heard Nabi Wasallam mention this, and teach us this, to this day, I haven't missed it once. Now more than 30 years have passed. And he's saying, I haven't missed it once. Why? Because when they heard and when they learned, it wasn't just for the sake of knowledge. It was for the sake of practice. That I need to do this. I need to apply this. Now for example, we've just heard this now. And we heard it many times before also. But let us consider now, that we heard it not once, we heard it so many times. How often do we keep up with this? At night, before going to bed, do we recite it? Now, one is, for example, there are certain amal that require, for example, some performing some salah. So it will mean now a person needs to go and make wudu if they don't have wudu. It will mean going on to the musalla. It will take some time. And that too we should try. We should try. Whatever we can, how much we can, we should try. But what time and effort is really required in reciting the tasbih fatimi? If a person doesn't have wudu also, it's still fine. One can still recite it, though wudu is better, but there's no precondition of wudu. What is the time duration? So 33 times, subhanallah. If we say each time a person recites, subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. So each one will take one second. So 33 times, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, and Allah Akbar 34 times in total 100. So 100 if we say 100 seconds. Okay, we round it up, maybe somebody is a little slow, 120 seconds. Now 120 seconds. We're talking about not 120 minutes. Not talking about 120 minutes. We're talking about 120 seconds. And generally, forget 120 seconds, 1200 seconds and more would be spent just in nothing, doing nothing, just before going to bed. Maybe 10,200 seconds. Maybe more than that too. Allah forbid will be on some social media, on some other things, on just on something idle, or nothing for that matter. But to spare that 120 seconds, in more clear terms, 2 minutes. And sometimes at 2 minutes, the person is just looking left, right now, what I need to do, I needed to do something, or I was supposed to do something, thinking about what we are supposed to do, then we realize, okay, I was supposed to set the alarm for the morning. I took two minutes to think about that for some people. And the two minutes just went away. And taking two minutes to recite this tasbih. And subhanallah, Ali radiallahu is saying that even on the night of Sifin, when he was the commander-in-chief, a huge battle, and such a delicate moment, such a tense time, such a huge responsibility on him. You see, even that night when I had a small nap, I didn't forget it. On that night also, I, I recited these tasbihat. Now, this was the zeal of the Sahaba Ikram. When they heard something, they practiced on it. Now, we heard this so many times, but now let us ask ourselves the question, how many times are we fulfilling this? How many days do we practice on it? If somebody, mashallah, is practicing on it by reciting it daily, alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, excellent. Allah ta'ala give istiqamat. 
Allah Ta'ala keep it continuing. And if not, then when are we going to start? If you started but not punctual, when are we going to become punctual? We need to keep some reminder, put a reminder along somewhere on the side of our bed, one line only, just be just one word, that will be a reminder enough. And how long? Two minutes. But for those two minutes, number one, it's the teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Sahaba Ikram, Nabi Salaam taught us this. Ali radiallahu anh, he's saying, Nabi Salaam taught me this. This is for me to take to heart and to make part of my life. So now come what may, he's never missing it. Thirty years have passed, he says, not once I have missed it. So this was the zeal of the Sahaba Ikram, that whatever they heard, whatever they learned, one was that kind of advice which inspired towards Akhirat, so their hearts were brimming them, and it spurred them towards action, spurred them to do better, to do more. And then specific aspects of a practical nature, whatever they could latch on, they never ever let it pass. So something simple of this nature, we cannot perhaps do sometimes some li- little more uh, things that require a little bit more effort. What effort does this require? How much time? What effort? Sitting on one's bed and lying down in one's bed. So often people complain it takes them a while to fall asleep. In that time they could have recited this. But our minds go away here, there and everywhere and this gets left. So inshallah we will all start practicing as of today. Our Balnimas will keep asking us as well who's practicing on it and so that we become very punctual on this. And as mentioned, Nabi Salaam said it's better for you than a Khadim as well. So all the work of the day, the strength that is required for it, with the barakat of this punctual recitation, Allah blesses with that strength as well. Allah Ta'ala makes it happen with afiyat. So coming back to where we started off, the Sahabi came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he said, tell me, give me some advice, but keep it brief. Why? Because he wanted to take something to heart and he wanted to practice on it. Now if there is a lengthy discussion, he is concerned, I may miss out some things, or now there will be several things, I may find it a bit of a challenge now to focus on all at one time. I want to take certain things to heart. I want to practice on it immediately. I want to make it a part of my life. So Rasulullah gave him some advice. But the advice now was such that it applies to every single one of us. And it is advice that will make our dunya also it will make our akhirat as well. <coughs> the first advice Nabi Salaam gave him, that, إِذَا قُمْتَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ فَصَلِّ صَلَاةَ مُوَدِّعٍ When you stand up to perform salah, then perform the salah like a person who is now going to be leaving dunya, going. Somebody informed him, somehow he got to know, that this is the last salah of his life. He is not going to get another chance. Now, Allah forbid, Allah forbid, one is somebody who doesn't have any consciousness of salah in their lives. Allah forbid, if they got to know this is the last opportunity of salah, perhaps, Allah Ta'ala save us from such a situation, such a person may not even be concerned at that time about the salah, they might be more worried about now doing some other things. I need to sort this out and sort that out. I'm going now. I got last one hour left. So not that person. Person who understands what salah is all about. Salah is connecting one to Allah Taala. Person who understands the value of salah. 
the person who understands the importance of Salah. And now such a person has been told, this is the last Salah of your life. So already that person, mashallah, has the importance of Salah in his heart. He has the zeal for Salah. And now on top of that he's been told, this is the last Salah. So as well as he normally performs his Salah, this Salah is going to be on another level. Normally too the person is taking care, performing it well, but when he is now aware this is the last, and this is what brings Allah Ta'ala's special mercy, this is what brings that closeness to Allah Ta'ala. And in sajda there is nothing that brings a person closer to Allah Ta'ala than being in sajda. And therefore Nabi Islam said, exert yourself in dua at that time, meaning in the nawafil, in the nafil salah, in sajda, Nabi Islam said, فَأَجْهِدُوا لَهُ فِي الدُّعَى فَأَجْهِدُوا فِي الدُّعَى Exert yourself in making dua when in sajda. But obviously, we cannot be making dua in our own words, meaning in any language besides Arabic. The duas, the masnoon duas, the duas from Nabi Islam, even, but the point is in Arabic, and that's the time to be consciously making dua. So at least we should be learning some of the masnoon duas, the du'as such as Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana, other du'as Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa durriyatina qurrata a'yun wa ja'alna lil muttaqeena imama. This is such a comprehensive du'a for the piety of children, etc. Rabbi ja'alni muqeem as-salati wa min durriyati Rabbana wa taqabbal du'a. So many du'as, whatever we can and with the meaning in mind, we try to learn the meaning gradually if we don't know it. And to exert ourselves in dua in that posture, in sajda. Because there isn't any other time that a person gets closer to Allah Ta'ala. So now we are being told, exert yourself in dua in that time. So the person now who has the zeal for dua, and the zeal for salah, and he's normally taking care, performing the salah well, and taking these opportunities in the nafil salah as well. Now sometimes we say, nafil is nafil, but subhanallah, what great opportunities there are in that nafil to make dua in sajda, subhanallah. But we take the nafil for granted and we just brush it aside. But what we are losing out on? So, now the person who has that zeal for salah and he is now performing the salah and he's also been told, this is the last, this is the very last opportunity, there is no other time. What kind of salah he's going to make? He might not want to pick his head up from that sajda. And if he knows now this is the last moment, he'll want to just remain in that posture and continue making dua so that his life comes out in that condition. But this is not known to us when our time comes. But now that's what would become the person's condition. We are being told, aspire for that. So now we may never get there fully, but that should become the target. That should become the focus. That How can I develop my salah in a way that it becomes like that. And when the Salah does become like that, or come somewhere close to that, that's the Salah that will open out the doors of the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala for us. That is a Salah that will open out the doors of Rizq for us. The Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala gives the command, وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَاسْتَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقَا نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكَ You enjoin Salah upon your family and you yourself be very punctual and steadfast upon it. Allah Ta'ala speaks about salah. And side by side Allah says, 
we don't ask you for sustenance, we grant the sustenance. The Mufassirin explain that Salah and side by side Rizq is being spoken about, that Salah is the gateway to Rizq. Salah is the doorway to Rizq. But when that Salah is truly a Salah, then the two rakats of Salah also will start easing things out for us. And it will open out the doors of Rizq. So, the point is that such a person now, what kind of Salah he will perform? So this is the message Nabi Islam is giving us, that you perform your Salah as if this is the last Salah of your life. Salli Salatam Wadda'in. Then the second, so there's so much to ponder over this, we should be now therefore trying to develop our Salah. And one of the very effective aspects in developing the Salah is to be constantly reading, listening about the greatness of Salah, the virtues of Salah, the harms of neglecting Salah. So, mashallah, the talim of the Fazail Kitabs, the Fazail Salah, this should become a part of our daily tartib, whether in Madrasa, whether at home, whether in Madrasa days, whether in the holidays. This must be ongoing. This must be ongoing. This is what's going to motivate us. And not just as a routine, but with that enthusiasm. That this is this, the boost that I require. This is an, the, the, the vitamin and the supplements that are required to get me going spiritually. So in any case, that was the first message and the lesson that Rasulullah gave regarding Salah. So we need to develop it. And part of that process is, that we constantly be listening, reading, at least daily, sometime in madrasa also, 5-10 minutes, and at home as well, we are reading about Salah, listening about Salah, and this Kitab, Fazail Amal, is the ideal book for this purpose, we should be keeping up with this. The second message that Rasulullah gave was, وَلَا تَكَلَّمْ بِكَلَامٍ تَعْتَذِرُ مِنْهُ غَدًا Don't say anything which you will regret tomorrow you say something today and regret tomorrow one is the regret tomorrow tomorrow meaning later in this world whether that tomorrow is tonight whether it is 10 days time or whether it is 1 year's time that's all part of this tomorrow meaning after having said it now there's regrets so why does a person then regret very often the regret is only because there was no thinking before speaking so what just came to mind was blurted out. And anything that was that came to mind was blurted out. Now the thing is that we are insan, we are insan and insan have emotions. Insan have a lot of emotions. Person is sometimes very happy, so ecstatic that now he's like losing control of what he's saying and how he's saying it. And sometimes a person is in the depth of grief the depth of grief also a person now doesn't fully focus what I am saying and sometimes a person is extremely upset and angry that's an emotion also happiness is an emotion that's on one end now this happiness went on an extreme or the grief that's another emotion or anger that's another very very ajeeb emotion and people in anger, what not goes on? What not is said? Now when these emotions come around, the first thing when it comes to saying something is to try to not say it. 
Because when a person in emotion is going to say something, often he's going to say something that he might regret later. Unless he's given it in the midst of that emotion, he's given it very careful thought, clear thought, not thoughts that are influenced by the emotion. Because if it's influenced by the emotion, if a person is very angry, and in that anger the person is saying something, thought about it also, but the thinking has been influenced by the emotion, then very often what a person will say might be something that is trying to exact some revenge, take some revenge. So the person will say something, but the purpose behind that is to get back some revenge. So now that's not going to be something helpful for us, in the court of Allah Ta'ala especially, because if in taking that revenge, one is, person was very, very careful and did not exceed the bounds in any way. Person was harmed, was hurt, there was some problem that was brought upon one unjustly. So now person is entitled to take revenge to an equal level. Though Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَا إِن صَبَرْتُمْ فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لِلصَّابِرِينَ in the same ayat Allah Ta'ala says, you can take the revenge to an equal note, but if you make sabr, that is better for you. Allah is saying it's better for you. What we can imagine, how much better. Father says, you know, this would be better if you do this. But then it turns out it was slightly better now, nothing really much better. Because now he on his capacity said it. Somebody else tells us, oh, this will be better now. He's a very expert person in that. So it turned out better because he's such an expert. He saw the options. But now how much better? Maybe double, triple, how much better? But Allah Ta'ala who is the creator of insan and the creator of the universe, Allah is saying this is better, it is beyond imagination how much better. The difference that, for just for the example, how much better is a diamond compared to a stone? Can we put some kind of explanation to it? How can you compare now? Diamond and stone, where is the comparison? So likewise, it's beyond expression. What, how better this is. So Allah Ta'ala is saying this is better if you really... But nevertheless, a person is entitled to take that revenge to the exact amount. But he's angry now. When he's angry, he's going to say something. So somebody said something harsh to him. So he's entitled to say something in equal measure. But in that emotion, in that anger, the person told him that you are, you know, you're such a fool. So now what he said, you are also a fool, your father is also a fool. Now that father became a fool, that became zulm now. When the person called you a fool and you said you are also a fool, then fine. Meaning you didn't exceed the bounds. You lost out on the sabr, but you didn't exceed the bounds, so you're not in trouble. But now when you made him a fool and you made his father a fool also, now that became zulm now. So you gone in the red. Oh, he said you're a fool. You didn't go to his father. He said, well, if I'm a fool, you are a bigger fool. But that bigger fool, that one word bigger, that exceeded the bounds. Now in, in, in emotion, do we have that capacity to think all this out? And to know where the line is? And to stay within the limit? And not exceed the bounds? No, generally 99% of the time we don't. Very few have that capacity. 
Therefore, the sensible thing to do at the time of emotion is don't say anything at that time. Meaning, don't say anything with regards to the issue, the matter. Keep quiet. Keep quiet. Let that emotion pass. Don't deal with the matter when things are very intense. When there's emotions all round. That issue, the situation, is to be understood like a, like a patient. Because that's something needs to be dealt with now. It needs to be sorted out. So that's like a patient now. Now you might have heard about this sometimes. That now somebody was very sick and the person under, needed to undergo an operation. So now they set the date, the time, tomorrow morning we're going to do it at 10 o'clock. Now the person is waiting for some news. He phoned at 12 o'clock to find out the operation done, what happened, how things went. Now some relative, some friend. So now he's folding some family member to find out that uh, your brother, your father was supposed to undergo the operation. What happened? They say, no, they couldn't do the operation. Why they couldn't do the operation? You know, this pressure was too high. You might have heard this many times. Pressure was too high. So if the pressure was too high, why couldn't they do the operation? We don't generally ask because we just accept it. The doctor said so. Pressure was too high, they couldn't do the operation. The issue there is, when the pressure is too high, and if now they're going to operate, it can cause major complications. The patient can sometimes maybe have a hemorrhage, and what not can happen. Uh, can bleed to death. So many things, meaning Allah knows best what, what goes on. But in high pressure, they don't operate. They first stabilize the pressure. When the pressure is stabilized to a safe limit, now they'll do the operation. Now often, these situations that come about, they need an operation of some sort to sort it out. But now we want to do the operation when the pressure is at the highest level. Then as a result, there was one problem, the complications that result from trying to do the operation at the highest pressure level, we end up with 10 problems. So now we're going to have to wait for the pressure to settle, our own pressure to settle, our own emotions to settle. Now sometimes that operation is simply done verbally, there are certain things to correct, some things to be said, something to be advised, something to be now guided. So it's all going to be done verbally, there's no physical operation involved here. But that verbal operation in intense emotion will lead to regrets. And tomorrow now we'll be scratching our head, but why I said it? Now sometimes some will acknowledge and some will be in denial. They'll say, no, no, it was fine. What I said was right. Meanwhile, they can see the damage that happened. They can see the harm that came as a, as a result. But just to save face now and to avoid our nose getting bent a little bit and cut at the tip, we'll still make an excuse for that as well. But that's now from another problem. That's from pride. But the point is that that operation, that verbal operation at the time of emotion became a problem that created complications. So Rasulullah is advising us, don't say something which you will regret tomorrow. So now how to save oneself from that? We have to learn to analyze the situation. When is the time to say something? Because it's the right time to say it. And when is the time to say nothing? Because it's not the time to say it. Among the situations when it's not the time to say it, is when we are in a high emotion. When the pressure is too high now, within ourselves, the pressure of that anger, 
the pressure of that want for revenge, the pressure of whatever else, we let the pressure subside first. Let it come down to a reasonable level. Let it come down to a point where we can think clearly. We can weigh the pros and cons. We can think what is going to benefit us, not only in dunya, but more importantly in akhirat as well. Because the benefit of dunya is short-lived. And akhirat, that's everlasting. More importantly, what is going to bring us the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala? وَرِضْوَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ Now do we stop to think about all this first? Before saying things? Before writing of things and just messaging here and there and everywhere? Before commenting on things? Before doing all this kind? Do we stop to think? Or we just let it fly? So Rasulullah is cautioning us and this is advice that we have to take to heart. وَلَا تَكَلَّمْ بِكَلَامٍ تَعْتَذِرُ مِنْهُ غَدًا don't say something you're going to regret tomorrow. So one is the regret of tomorrow, tomorrow in dunya already, meaning later in dunya. Today we said something and tomorrow we're going to regret. Yesterday we say something, today we're already regretting it. And the other is the tomorrow of the akhirat. Maybe sometimes we said something, others made sabr on it. They didn't say anything. So we thought nothing about it. We had the authority. We said something more than was necessary to somebody under our authority. It might be the helper in our home. So now we just take it for granted. They are servants now. So we can talk to them anyhow. Sometimes there's a need for correction. Sometimes there's a need for some, maybe even reprimand, because now something was said once, twice, ten times, still being done wrong, or done in a way there's neglect. So now there'll be some reprimand, but the person is nevertheless insan. They're not somebody else. They're also human beings. And they also have rights in the court of Allah Ta'ala. If we trample the right, we exceeded the bounds, we said something beyond what was required, we said it in a way that was harsh, then we could become accountable for it. And these are things that bring down its consequences very quickly in dunya. Very often, we don't realize what became the consequence in something that happened, where this stemmed from. What I said, what I did, that brought about this. We don't link it. We don't realize it. We don't remember it. But often it is the result of these kind of things. What we said, how we said it, who we spoke to, how we spoke to them. We just took them for granted. What does it matter now? How we speak to somebody who is just a servant in my house? No, no, these are not things to me, because we may not regret this in dunya, because that person, bichara, what are they going to say? How are they going to react? They're worried about their job. If they say something now, they say, just take a walk now. So now they're worried about it, they're just desperate. They feel very offended, but they're desperate. So that desperation makes them keep quiet. But that pain of the heart, Allah forbid, because when there's zulm, that zulm brings down the consequences, even if that zulm was perpetrated on a kafir on a disbeliever. So, now maybe we might not see the effect in dunya, but on the day of Qiyamah, on the tomorrow of Akhirat, that's a different matter. We will have to now pay back on that day. If that person died as a disbeliever, they'll still get some benefit in Hashar. Some kind of benefit. Either they'll get it in dunya, 
they'll get some benefit in hashar. There's no jannat for them. But we will suffer the consequence of it. Allah forbid, Allah save us. So this was the second message. Nabi Islam said, وَلَا تَكَلَّمْ بِكَلَامٍ تَعْتَذِرُ مِنْهُ خَدًا Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Inshallah we'll continue with this in the coming weeks. Allah Ta'ala give tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala give us the ability to take these messages and lessons to heart and practice on them. As mentioned, this was the zeal of the Sahaba Ikram to practice on these lessons. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq as well. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عاقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين الحمد لله